Today on the podcast, a mantelpiece moment that shows mistakes aren't always costly, a novel that involves the mafia and a penguin, and of course, the weekly reveal to what magical book I have pulled down from my to-be-read shelf. All of that and more this week on A Novel Review. Hello and welcome to the literature podcast, A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect, and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle, so let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Hey guys, welcome back to the beginning of another episode of A Novel Review, a podcast exploring the wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus, I am your host, and for today's episode, Penguins and the Mafia. It's Death and the Penguin by Andre Kirchhoff. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments, something to highlight from the week past, and and I am so sorry guys, but it's more facts about Harry Potter, I think. Instagram has locked me in one of its holes because a lot of the content ever since I revealed that I'm rereading Harry Potter again, a lot of the content has been Harry Potter related because clearly our phones are listening to us, which in this case it's not so bad because Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone has just a wealth of information about it and so many interesting facts surrounding it. So some more facts about that today about how to uncover whether you own a first edition of the book itself. Now, any person with any book smarts or publishing smarts would know that to identify a book, you simply turn to the publishing page, which is one of the first few pages of the book. That is where you can find all the information of the book, the year it was published, the edition number that you currently hold. That is kind of the cheat way to decide if you have a book of any value. The one that I'm holding up now for the benefit of those on YouTube is not a first edition. Do not get excited. I am not a millionaire. There are a few other ways to deduce whether you own a first edition of Harry Potter. If you turn to page 53, in the context of the story, you're currently in Diagon Alley, trying to purchase a few items for your year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And in the other equipment, it lists one wand, one cauldron, one set of glass or crystal files, one telescope, and one set of brass scales. Now, There's a little mistake in the first edition. It lists one wand again, so twice. And of course, we know you don't need two wands. You only need one wand. So that is the first mistake to help identify whether you own a first edition. The next mistake, and this is perhaps a little worse, if you were to turn to the back of the cover of the book itself, it says Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, and the word philosophers is spelled incorrectly. I would have to say that if you're going to make a mistake, don't make a mistake in the title of the story in which you are publishing. Uh, That's probably one of the worst mistakes you could hope to make. And one of those mistakes that I guess someone probably got strung out for, rung out, lambasted for, that now actually has added quite a level of wealth to those original copies. so just kind of funny how someone's mistake can actually turn into a valued piece of treasure another sort of fun thing i guess is on the back 
in the earlier editions, I think up to the 17th or 18th impression, there is a more generic wizard. He is, and I think I have a different copy at home. Uh, he is a different, a younger looking Dumbledore, I guess. He's got a short brown beard. And it was around the 17th or 18th edition that, that they actually changed to this Dumbledore, a more traditional looking Dumbledore instead of just a generic wizard. So there's just so much information surrounding these books, which is so fun. So sorry for that. I hope that Instagram, you know, the 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 way Instagram works starts to change some of the content I'm seeing. But if it's all interesting, then who cares? Housekeeping, as always, all the scripts from the episode are available on my website and there should also be closed captions somewhere around here. Also, please head along, five-star reviews, like, subscribe. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your support. Okay, today we have a bit of a different story. One that I had never heard of but was instantly drawn to and in honor of it, for the benefit of those on YouTube, I am wearing a penguin pin on my shirt, which was gifted to me for Christmas from a very dear friend. The cover and the wording of the cover won me over. Yes, I know. I'm not meant to judge a book by its cover, but I mean a cover artist has hopefully worked hard to entice us as the reader into doing exactly that, judging a book by its cover, which I'm so sorry draws me back to the Harry Potter facts because... The traditional Dumbledore picture here and the more generic wizard. Uh, Bloomsbury actually approached the cover artist and said, who's this wizard on the back? And he said, I don't know, it's just a wizard. And they said, well, maybe you could read the book and draw something a bit more in line with the story itself, which is where from the 17th or 18th impression, we then suddenly start to get Dumbledore. So I don't know, maybe the cover artist isn't actually working in our best interest as readers, but alas, for Death and the Penguin, they did they did their job. So I saw the title, I saw the cover, and picked it up. Death and the Penguin. Now, penguins are probably my favorite animal, but even if it wasn't this, it's still a curious title of a book that made me want to learn a little more. This is the hook on the cover of the book itself, and this is what it says. In today's Ukraine, all that stands between one man and murder by the mafia is a penguin weird but also and this is important intriguing murder ukraine and a penguin and while ukraine isn't landlocked and does border the black sea i'm not certain how many penguins are shuffling about on the shoreline so instantly there are a few things going on that already i want to know why so maybe we should have a brief overview so you too as the listener can get a better idea of this novel that the Daily Telegraph describes as a tragicomic masterpiece. Victor is an aspiring writer who wants to be published. A man from a newspaper offers him a writing job writing obituaries of people who are still alive. A darkness then descends on the novel when these obituaries of people who were once alive start to die. Now that is an incredibly short and, I mean, that might even make it sound more like a murder mystery. It might also make you laugh a bit that the central horror of this story is about a man who's writing obituaries of people who are living and then they start to die as if people dying is like some absurd idea. I also know that advanced obituaries are a thing that actually happen in the world. You know, a lot of elder celebrities, they already have a lot of information surrounding them. So like when Queen Victoria died, uh, Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth 
what what century am I living in? When Queen Elizabeth died, and six hours later they've already got the documentary going. That's because they already had it made before her death. They had it ready to go. So advanced obituaries are a thing. But I guess sort of what happens is Victor learns through smoke and shadows that the obituaries he is writing becomes more of a hit list. And the whole story is carried with this absurd, surreal kind of air. You are always almost holding your breath because there is an uncertainty to the text that there is right there from the beginning, mostly portrayed through Victor's pet a king penguin that the zoo couldn't financially look after, and so Victor took him on as a pet. As I said, the story takes place in Ukraine, and it's set during the 90s. It's set against the backdrop of the fall of the Soviet Union in the city of Kiev, and this is a city that feels like it's kind of lost its humanity a bit. It's run by criminals, and it has this surreal feeling to it that's felt really keenly every time you step outside. And I suppose that is where this deadpan black humour comes in and becomes effective in telling stories from this period and place. The humour comes from the story, but also the writing and betrayal of the story. Misha is the name of the penguin, but then in the story a man walks into a scene and setting also called Misha. And so every time from that moment onwards that this human Misha appears, he is called Misha non-penguin. Simple, effective and absurd. Because... It isn't needed. Penguins don't talk, and so as soon as we read Misha replies, we know that it's not a penguin and that it is in fact Misha non-penguin talking because he's a human. But I mean, that wouldn't be any fun, would it, if we just did that? So instead he gets called Misha non-penguin. And despite not talking, Misha the penguin for me was one of the funnier aspects of the novel. Now really, Misha is there as an extended sort of shadow and almost mirror to Victor to mirror his own sadness and displacement. Misha is out of place as a penguin, not only as Misha is not in Antarctica or a wild natural habitat, but is also not in the next best place for him, which would be a zoo. And so Misha is this silent spectral being that does nothing, but is still incredibly important to the plot. But it is this doing nothing that I found so wonderfully hilarious. Victor struggled a lot through the novel, through the uncertainty of it all. There is a lot of murkiness surrounding intentions and meaning in this novel, and so a lot of the time you as the reader are also kind of questioning things with Victor, being like, what is happening? What, what are we doing here? And then always, like it's some scene from some TV show, the scene just cuts away from this dejected alcoholic sitting at a kitchen table to the waddling shape of Misha just appearing, tilting his head and then waddling away again. And while funny, it's also just this beautifully austere moment when Victor is just questioning his place in everything, only compounded by the fact that he doesn't quite know or understand what he's actually in. And so he is questioning these moments because he is out of place. And then in waddles this penguin only to highlight the absurdity and confusion, but to also mirror the displacement. And while this is kind of the chief reason for the inclusion of Misha, the penguin, to highlight the isolation, I feel like it also humbles Victor because you will never be out of place as a king penguin in an apartment in Ukraine or at a funeral, for instance. Just one of the other absurd things that the Mafia pays, they have Misha attend funerals. It is this 
wonderfully tragic and yet comical book and it's not a bad book at all the writing style is nice especially for a translated piece and it flows really well the writing feels accessible and easy without being silly there is a lot of respect paid to the story and the dark nature of it with these glimmers of humor they are not overt or tasteless moments of humor that overshadow the serious tone of the novel it is not a very long book and so it doesn't feel like you're dragging through something you don't really understand because that is kind of the point that you don't get to quite see the truth which if it were any longer might detract away from the story and become frustrating of sorts but no it's actually quite lovely and i think a quote will sum it up before i read it and the quote goes he sat with his cup of tea at the kitchen table on the window ledge beside him stood the two bottles of cherry brandy one half empty the other full romantic thoughts stirred in the silence touching again on unwritten novels and the past he suddenly had the sensation of being abroad out of reach of yesterday's existence this abroad was a place of tranquillity a switzerland of the soul blanketed in snows of peace permeated with a dread of causing disturbance when no birds sang or called as if out of no desire to simple elegant dark and fun i'm going to rate this a 3.5 out of 5. so what am i reading this week this week i am reading nothing because i was actually waiting for a book to arrive which it did this morning the novel is the island gospel according to samson grief and it sounds like this incredibly wacky kind of story i'll quickly read the blurb for you because i think that's probably the perfect way to sum it up when i haven't actually started reading it myself samson grief a reclusive painter from the prince edward island is confronted by three red-headed figments of his imagination in the form of judas iscariot fagin and shylock they claim to be messengers of the supreme one a genderless deity who has decreed Prince Edward Island to be the new promised land, who also wants Samson to build the island's first synagogue. Scared, confused, and seriously doubting his sanity, Samson eventually, though begrudgingly, accepts the challenge amid increasingly bizarre obstacles in this new dystopian world. Another crazy premise for a book that shows great potential for a great story. This book was gifted to me by River Street's Rights, who are a Canadian literary agency, and I just love some of the stuff that they are coming out with, that Canada as a whole is coming out with. There is such a great community of Canlit writers, Canada literature writers, of course, and some of them you might be familiar with because I've done a few on the show, or on your own merit, of course, and they are all producing some really wonderful pieces of art. So I am very excited to sink my teeth into this book. Now, before I close out the show, if you have listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Like, subscribe, five-star review. Please head along to the website and support the pod. But as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. So I think it's time to end this episode and today to take us away a bit of Milton and he says a good book is the precious lifeblood of a master spirit.